0: Alrighty, guys. Hey, just remember to give uh, Vivek a hug or something. As the rest of the family is coming back tomorrow. And so life will change for Vivek. He didn't hear it. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys, so over the last uh, many weeks, we've been going through this list. Um, this was a word given uh, beginning of the year uh, in Stornoway, which is an island off the coast of Scotland, which we went to, because one of the things the Lord had said early in the year was, hey, there used to be a revival in the 1940s, 1950s at Stornoway. It was called the Hebrides revival. Could I... Initiate something like that again through you for the teens, the 20s and the 30s. And while we were there, this was a promise that was given to the church. And it's a promise that applies to the rest of the earth. And it's not something that Acts 29 owns, but Acts 29 can initiate. And so here's what God said at the beginning of the year. I am sending a purifying fire from heaven that burns up religious and historical junk. As I, the divine warrior, march. And I will deliver young men and women from nations into the kingdom and I'm calling sons and daughters into that circle of dancing abundance and joy before the lion and the lamb and they will be a torch-bearing generation that goes forth and will not return empty. So we've been taking each line and we've been going through it over the last many weeks. Last week we did calling uh, the week before the last We did Calling Sons and Daughters. Last week we did Into the Circle of Dancing Abundance and Joy. Today we do Before the Lion and the Lamb. And then we'll have maybe another two weeks before we finish this. Uh, So that's what we're planning to do right now. Let me just quickly pray for some guys who are aching and paining. Uh, So we'll pray for Emily who is or is not here. Emily C. We'll just pray that her aches and pains stop. We'll just pray complete recovery for Sue after her fall, and we'll pray that uh, Joan recovers from pneumonia completely, yeah? So Father, we so believe in healing, that it is your desire, your pleasure, that you were brutally striped and you overpaid for our healing, that scripture says so, that it is in the nature of the Father to heal his children. We don't examine, Father, the Hebrew and Greek of things to arrive at a conclusion. We examine the nature of the Father. We have fathers here on earth who would do the same for us, how much more you. So we believe you are here to heal. And so we bring Sue's body to you. Wherever wherever there be any bruising, any breaking, any um, healing required in the name of Jesus Christ, we as a church say, be healed completely, be made whole. Let the shalom and the wellness and the healing and the pleasure of God come upon you because we prayed that the Spirit of God would fall in this place and may He fall upon you in healing. May the same thing happen for Emily Carpenter where her body begins to recover from aches and pains and suddenly is quickened with the life of the Spirit of God who quickens mortal bodies, according to Romans 8. And we remember Joan who's at home and we thank you, Father. That that song says that... um, um, my lungs will inhale breath and express praise. So, Father, we bring wholeness to her lungs so that her bones and her voice may cry out, saying, Great is the Lord. By your power, by your healing, that is present in the room right now. So we thank you, Father, for your great pleasure at doing this. You don't need to be cajoled into it, coaxed into it. This is your nature. We receive your nature. We simply receive healing in this room right now. We simply receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So we'll talk about the Lion and the Lamb. So, if you go to Revelation 5, verse 5 and 6. Revelation 5. Revelation 5. Who's doing Sunday school? Who? Wow. Wow. Revelation 5, verse 5 and 6. Um, Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see the line of the tribe of Judah. But when I looked, I saw a lamb, and he took the scroll. Basically, 5, verse 5 on, talks about it. Let me just read it. Um, Let's start at verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw mighty angels proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom, kingdom and priests to serve a God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise." And then I heard. Every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and all that is in them singing, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, we praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So guys, in the Old Testament, they had these things called Urim and Thummim. Urim and Thummim were two stones, and they used to be on the breastplate of the high priest. And whenever it came to decision making, whenever it came to unfolding the destiny of things, they would go and they would seek the counsel of God through Urim and Tumim. Nobody knows how it worked. People have guesses as to how it works. These were stones. One was called Urim, one was called Tummim. One was supposed to be a positive answer. One was supposed to be a negative answer. And so you see in 1 Samuel 14, or 2 Samuel 14, uh, Saul wants to know whether he should go and fight. So what does he say? He says, bring me the Urim and the Tumim. And he asks God, should I go to fight or should I not? That's how they used to seek counsel. That's how they would know what destiny should unfold. That was in the Old Testament. That's how they determined things. Because sometimes the destiny of a nation depended on what was found through the use of Urim and Tumim nobody knows how it was used to come up with some kind of an explanation would just be a guess so second samuel 14 talks about it and in exodus you i mean you can look at the scriptures in uh, um, for instance in exodus 2830 you see it mentioned exodus 2830 you see it mentioned exodus 2830 it says, uh, also put the Urim and the Tumim in the breastpiece so that they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters, enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Go to 1 Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14, verse 41. And you'll see Saul using it, or uh, attempting to use it. Then Saul prayed to the Lord, the God of Israel. Give me the right answer. And Jonathan and Saul were taken by lot, and men were cleared. Saul said, cast the lot between me and Jonathan and my son, and Jonathan was taken. And so what he does there, give me the right answer, what he actually does there is go take Urim and Tumim, if you read other versions, and then decide how things were to be done. So that was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but one of the reasons this scroll that is being opened in Revelation 5 is so important is because this scroll contains the destiny of the world. We read past that very quickly. And then there was a scroll. We got no idea what the scroll is about. The scroll is written on both sides. In it is the destiny of the world. That's how we need to look at how this scene plays out. Eh? In Revelation 4.1, Jesus actually says to John, come up here, let me show you the things that are supposed to happen. And in Revelation 5.1, we are about to see what is supposed to happen. If you read Revelations 4.1, it says there, then I saw heaven open, and I heard a voice saying, come up here, let me show you. Pavan, you want to come join? No, come in. It's good to see you after two weeks. That's okay. As long as I don't step on him, he'll be fine. <laughs> come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. In Revelation five one, you see a scroll. On the scroll are decrees, eh? On the scroll are decrees. And it's sealed with seven seals. Why is it sealed? Because the contents are actually secret and they will tell you the destiny of the world. But they are sealed with seven seals so that secrecy is ensured because not anybody or everybody can come and open it. Someone who has... Um, who's earned the right to, uh, to 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 unfold the destiny of the world has to open it. It contains a full account of what God has determined to do with the world. That's what it contains: the destiny of each man, woman, and child. You. The destiny of each man, woman, and child. The outcome of wars. The rise and fall of nations. What happens to the persecuted? What happens to the persecutor? What happens to the perverse? What happens to the wicked? What happens to the righteous? What happens to oceans, forests, sun, moon and stars? What happens to creation? What does new creation look like? What about heaven and hell? Everything is locked in the scroll. That's why this is such a big deal. Written on both sides. What about the bride? What does she look like? What about Christ in new creation? Everything locked up in one scroll. And then there's a voice that goes out over all the earth. In the heavens. Under the earth. And what is it saying? Who is worthy? And now someone worthy has to step up and you can't find anybody. This is, not, this is not something an imposter will dare touch. And that's when John begins to weep because John realizes suddenly that Ashaks, if this is not opened, then the destiny of the world does not unfold. What's a similar scene that you can think of? Genesis 6. The Nephilim had come down to the earth. The earth was rife with evil. Genesis 6 verse 10 or something says that God looked at the earth and he knew that the man's heart was towards wickedness. And had God not intervened, it would have been a headlong rush into such depravity that we haven't seen even yet, despite all the things happening around us. And God intervenes. It's literally that kind of a juncture where if the scroll is not opened, then we have no idea of how things will evolve. How nations will rise and fall. How destinies will be determined. What will happen to your purpose? What will happen to the new heaven and the new earth? What will happen to the bride? How does it end for the devil, for death, for hell? What about all the isms that exist on the earth right now? What does true justice look like? How will the persecuted be treated? How will the persecutor be treated? Where is mercy? Where is justice? All this begins to evolve only if the scroll is open. And that is why John starts weeping. This is not some dream in which he feels like weeping. He begins to weep because he realizes if this is not open, then destiny is thwarted. And what is continuing will continue without it being interrupted. Any questions on that before we go on? God has said this as a background, eh? Because sometimes when you read Revelations five and stuff like that, you just think, "Oh, lion, oh lamb, a oh, scroll, big deal." At some point, you'll have to stop that. So, or I'll eat it too. No, I don't want to eat it. Any questions, guys? Yeah. Because the rest of Revelation is the reading of the scroll. Each seal as it it is opened shows what happens in nations, shows what happens in Babylon, shows what happens to the harlot, shows what happens to business, shows what happens to militaries, shows what happens to Israel, shows what happens to the nations of the world, shows what happens to the bride. Shows what happens to rebellion. Shows what happens to mercy. Shows what happens to judgment. Shows what is involved with the angels coming forth. Shows what happens with Christ. Shows what happens with the harvest. Shows what happens with people being taken to heaven. Shows what happens with people being left behind, just as in Noah's days. And after this, as soon as the scroll is opened, now unfolds. And it's not as if this is Uh, One of the things we need to understand is we are not waiting for something to happen. This has been happening for a while. It just increases in intensity. Till one day Christ comes and the bride or the church is taken. The rest of the book of Revelation is just basically the scroll being unfolded. And if it is not open, I mean imagine if Jill's destiny was contained in this paper. And anything from this moment on that has to happen in her life is contained in this. And if this is opened, her life begins to take on a pathway that God has crafted, as he said in Psalm 139, everything in your life, every day of your life is numbered and is in this. And if, I do, if someone is not found worthy to open this, her life will continue as is. Nothing will change. Things will get slightly better as she tries to do better. But you open this and she begins to live the days of her life as ordained by God by the power of the Spirit. And I stand here and I say, Who is worthy to open this? And let's assume it has to be someone who is better than Jill. And nobody comes up. And I begin to weep, or Jill begins to weep, saying, If this is not open, I'm stuck. If this is not open, nothing changes. Now multiply that. You're talking about one till? Talk about all creation. Sun, moon, stars. Creation groaning because it's been subjected to corruption. What about the devil? What about hell? What about death? What about demons? What about creation? Go ahead, Vivian. Change our lives, yes. So I was using it only as an analogy because my life can be changed. But how wonderful if you actually knew what he wanted to change you into instead of guesswork. What if, what if you knew how things were supposed to evolve? What if you knew that tomorrow you were supposed to go a place? Let's put it this way. Uh, th- this is a completely separate topic. Yeah, I'll come back to this later. Let's assume that the Holy Spirit directs your life. Yeah? But wouldn't it be great to know if he told you that tomorrow you're supposed to go to Bangkok and you knew it today and he prepares you to go to Bangkok. Or forget Bangkok, you're supposed to go to Surrey. Sometimes what is in here helps me walk in the ways of God even better. Yeah, the Holy Spirit supplies us. I was using Jill only as an analogy. When it comes to the world, it's very different. The rise and fall of nations. What are people doing in Ukraine right now? What are people doing in Russia? What about Vietnam? What about those in prisons in gulags somewhere? What about Chinese um, um, believers? What about those being persecuted? But we know the end of the story because the scroll is open. We know what happens to the devil. We know what happens to hell. We know what happens to death. Death loses its sting. We know what happens to the demonic. We know what happens to oceans, forests, sun, moon, and stars. We know what happens to the church. We know who wins. We just assume as Christians that we know everything. You know why we know? Because the scroll was unwrapped. Go ahead. Yes, yes. It has happened and it continues happening. It is, it is um, present continuous. Is your life over? No. Is your life happening? Yes. It's both. Yeah. It's like someone who has it, who's pregnant. Uh, do they have a child? Yes. Do they have a child? No. It's present continuous. So, when you look at the importance of the scroll, then you realize, okay, is there anybody worthy that can t- open the scroll? And then, just when John begins weeping, because there's nobody that can. Now deal with what is about to happen. That's when one of the elders turns to John and says, Do not weep, for the lion from the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scroll. While the lion from the tribe of Judah? You'll have to go to Genesis 49, verse 9 and 10. And in Genesis 49, 9 and 10, it's said about Jesus that he comes from a tribe called Judah. And it says about Judah that Judah is like a lion's club. Look how he crouches. Look how he arises from the kill. And the idea is, isn't he the king of kings? Then he says, the lion of the tribe of Judah is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll. And so why is he worthy to open the scroll? Because he conquered. Let me start writing stuff down. So, no one is found worthy. And just when he starts crying, he says, hey, there's someone who can open it. So why is the lion of Judah which is basically a title for Jesus. Why is the Lion of Judah, which is basically a title for Jesus, because he descended from, he descended in in terms of his earthly lineage, from the tribe of Judah. When I was a Christian, when I I just received Christ into my life, I was in India at that time, walking in a city called Bangalore, there was this guy who was asking me questions and he said, so is uh, Jesus man or is Jesus God? And uh, I didn't know enough scripture, eh? and then later on I found out, okay, so he was 33, but he is the ageless ancient one. From his father and mother's side, he he came from a tribe called Judah, but on his um, uh, in, in ter- he, was, he was I mean you. If, if you want to learn about Christ and how he was born you must come for Christ's life on Wednesday it talks about how he was born of a virgin not through any sexual contact born of a virgin impossible, miracle, but prophesied multiple times in the Old Testament 70 or 80 prophecies about Jesus coming and being born and they all come to pass and so on one hand, his spiritual lineage was, he is God who appears in flesh. In terms of physical lineage, he is born in a house with parents, but not through sexual contact, but born of a virgin, impossible. And that's a miracle of Christ's birth, right? I didn't know how to answer these questions. And then you find scripture saying, in Romans it talks about it. In Romans it says, on his parents' side, he was born from the tribe of Judah, but he was the son of God. So how does God have a son? Come on Wednesday. What does it even mean when you say God has a son? Does he actually have a son? Find out on Wednesday. It's worth it. It's mind-bending and beautiful. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you can. Christ's life is a lot of fun. Christ's life is basically, what's the life of Christ about? Who is this Jesus Christ? Is he 100% God or is he 100% man? How can both exist together? What about his parents? How was he born? How can you have someone called the son of God? Does God have a son? How did the son happen? Who is the father? Who is the son? Who is the Holy Spirit? How does God come into my life? How does he stay in my life? What does it mean to be a new creation? What does it mean to actually become a child of the living God? Not a creation, a child of the living God. These are the questions that will be answered. It's so worth it, guys. It, you know, I was a pastor when I first started uh, exploring Christ's life, and it changed my entire way of living. So if you haven't attended it before, come. If you have attended it before, come even earlier. So, why is the Lion of Judah, which is the title for Jesus, worthy of opening the scroll? The answer is in chapter 5, verse 5. He is worthy of opening the scroll because he has conquered. Conquered what? Conquered sin? Conquered death? Conquered the devil? Conquered hell? How? This is the cool part. He conquered the... Lion of Judah, as in Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lion of Judah conquered by becoming the Lamb that was slain to purchase you and creation out from sin, death, devil, and hell. That's why the line of Judah is worthy to open the scroll. Do not weep, for behold the line of Judah. He is worthy to open the scroll. Why is he worthy to open the scroll? He is worthy to now unfold the destiny of the world. He is worthy now to de- decree the rise and fall of nations. He is worthy now to make all creation new. He is worthy now to decide the outcome of wars. He is worthy now to handle the persecutor and the persecuted. He is worthy now to show justice or mercy to the wicked and to the righteous. He is worthy now to decide who goes to heaven and who is part of the church. He is worthy. He is worthy. Why is he worthy? Because the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the one who is the creator of the universe, the one who rules everything, he decided that even though I am the King of Kings, I will now take on the role of a lamb. He rides into Jerusalem as a king, but he's led to slaughter out of Jerusalem like a lamb. He rides in like a king. People are bowing before him, throwing palm trees before him, putting their clothes before him so he can ride on them. He comes in like a king, but he leaves Jerusalem three days later, or one and a half days later, he leaves Jerusalem as a lamb being led to slaughter. Why? Because in in the Old Testament, it didn't matter which religion you practiced before Christ, every religion would slay animals and cause their blood to flow for the forgiveness of sins. And here comes the king of the universe who takes on the form of man. And he says, even though I am king, I will now become a lamb and I will be slain for you, not just for you, but for entire creation so that everything that has been distorted by sin, death, devil, and hell is bought back, ransomed back, purchased back. Therefore now, the Lion of Judah is worthy to open the destiny of every man, woman, and child in creation, because now what he says will happen. This is how it works. The reason he is worthy is because one who is lion has decided I'm going to take on the role of a lamb. We must introduce people to this Christ who is both lion and lamb if this is supposed to happen. The central theme of the New Testament is very simple. Victory is always through sacrifice. Your master, your lord, your savior, the one you worship, the one you sang to earlier today, he lives like this. You and I don't have a choice. Victory is always through sacrifice. Victory is always through sacrifice. You should and I should hold that plumb line next to our lives and see what is crooked and what is straight. Victory is always through sacrifice. And when you look at what is sacrificed, Uh, You know, I love making us uncomfortable when it comes to sacrifice. I love the fact that our hearts begin to resist it. I love the fact that it feels like a pebble in our shoes. I love the fact that you will pretend that everything is okay right now, and then you will go out and tell someone, uh, I don't think this is a fair demand. I'll tell you why this is a fair demand. Because the one who purchased you is demanding it of you. And there will never be a day here on earth where I'll become like Christ in terms of sacrifice. But my God, I want to get as close as possible, and so do you. So what are are we talking about when we talk about sacrifice? There is no victory without sacrifice in the kingdom. And these are the things we sacrifice. Time, talent, as in abilities, treasure, relationships. As I call out this list, as I call out this list, just try and figure out as I go down this list which really irks you. And the moment it irks you, put a little star next to it, because you know where your problem lies. Okay. And if all of them irk you, come and meet me later. <laughs> Victory through sacrifice. What do we sacrifice? Time. Talent, treasure, relationships, security, self, strength. This is what we sacrifice if we want victory. And here's the strange thing. As soon as you include this word in there, you're not even trying to get some kind of victory for yourself. Your intent of victory is always someone else. In the kingdom, as in, in, here's what Jesus wants of me and wants of you and wants of this church. Guys, can you be guys who come to a place of victory through sacrifice, and here's what I want you to sacrifice. Not for yourself, but for the sake of others. Can you sacrifice your time, your talent, your treasure, your relationships, your strength, your security, yourself? Because every time you do this, the kernel of se- the seed falls to the ground it dies and it bears fruit John twelve twenty three or 27 it falls to the ground and it bears fruit and it always has to be for someone else what if an entire church begins to behave like this and whatever irked you while I was going down that list know that you and I have a problem there Luke 14, 26 In case you think, I'm pulling this out of nowhere, Luke 14, 26. I know you're familiar with it. Let me throw some salt into your wounds. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What does the word hate mean? Let me explain it. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison... Hate everyone else, your father, mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Another way of explaining it is, anyone who comes to me but refuses, if that alarm is meant for me to stop, it ain't working. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, nice try, Vivian, and you took a lot of time asking those questions, it's your fault. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own self cannot be my disciple. Let's go to Mark 10, 28. Mark ten twenty-eight. Mark ten twenty-eight. Here's what it says. Peter tried another angle. We left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, land, whatever, because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and land, and also in troubles, and then the bonus of eternal life. This is one again, once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last and the last first. Here's the other thing, guys. If you are a believer, you also need to know that every time I hold on to any of these, I will eventually lose it. Especially if you've been attending this church for a while and you hold on to any of this, you will lose it. It's not a negative confession, it's a fact of life. Because whatever you hold on to, you lose. Whatever you lose, you gain. Any questions? Um, if I decide that I am not going to help you, Diana, and that I'm going to keep my time to myself uh, because I, I'm not at a point where I um, either care for you or have a tendency to sacrifice time for you, and I use it for something else. Let's say I use it to read a book or play games or listen to music. Eventually, what I hold back from you, which would have given you life, will not turn out well for me because it's not being used properly. My time. Remember these guys, there's nothing here that wasn't given to you by God. And it was given to you for a purpose. And what's the purpose? To pour out it pour it out for the benefit of others. You hold this back. It is like manna that has been kept an extra day. What happens to manna? It turns into maggots. Give this away. This is how your master lived. The intent is not to become like this tomorrow. The intent is to never stop becoming this. The intent is not to become like this tomorrow. The intent is to never stop becoming this. Never stop becoming this. Continuously moving towards it. Doesn't matter whether you run, I mean most people I walk with walk really faster. The only person I enjoy walking with is my sister. Everyone else walks faster. But eventually we get there. At some point I take a taxi. (laughs) Another word for uh, sacrifice is giving up or letting go. Sacrifice is not a 2023 word of the year. So uh, instead, the right word would be giving up, given up. Anyone who has given up this That's what Jesus says. Anyone who lets go. And these are the things we let go of. Because victory is always through sacrifice. Who, do, who's rep, who, who represents victory? The lion. Who represents sacrifice? Lamb. This is why, later on in Revelations twelve eleven, what does it say? They overcame the devil by what? By the blood of the Lamb, as in the blood that Jesus Christ shed, by which sin, death, devil, and hell was defeated. By the blood of the Lamb, that's the first one. And then it goes on to say, by the word of the testimony. And what it means is, they faithfully proclaimed... what Jesus did and what he will do. Both, what Jesus did and what he will do. And then the third one was that they didn't withhold their lives but were willing to pour it out even if it meant Death. That's why, lion, lamb, lion, lamb. You know, almost always churches are either super victorious or super lambish. I mean, on audio that won't translate at all, but hopefully they'll watch the live stream. So, because churches either take one or the other. Either you have this terrible theology of suffering, which is, oh, woe is me, or this terrible theology of triumphalism, where everything is rah rah. It's supposed to be both. The church carries the responsibility to represent both lion and lamb. You and I carry the responsibility of representing, of us being both lion and lamb. Hey, shift your attention to the lamb. You know, there were many pictures that I could put up for lion and the lamb, and they usually show a lion either sitting majestically and a lamb sitting meekly. Um, And yet, look at the lamb. of as portrayed in the book of Revelation, you'll find a strange thing about him. He ain't no lamb being led to slaughter. He now bears the marks of slaughter, but he ain't no uh, lamb being led to the slaughter. So look, look at these scriptures. It's very different. Before, when he was being led to the cross, yes, he was like a sheep that does not speak, being led to be slain, so that with his blood, he can redeem you, purchase you, ransom you. But once he rises, look at the picture of the lamb. Go to... Revelation 6.16 This is no ordinary lamb. Strangely enough, Christ as king and lion possesses the nature of a lamb and Jesus as the lamb of God possesses the nature of a lion. In Revelation 6.16 it says Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of who? The wrath of the lamb. Whoever thought that the lamb could be wrathful? You know why the lamb can be wrathful? Because he's paid the price to redeem everything. And if you still resist him, what is there left? He took on the wrath of the entire earth to redeem you and you and you. And now there's nothing left. And it says, Fall on us, hide us from him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the lamb. Look at another scripture. It's in Revelation 17.14 Revelation 17.14 And it says that the nations of the world will gather together and they will make war on the Lamb and look at who will conquer them not the Lion the Lamb will conquer them for he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings So at the end of the day this is no ordinary Lamb this Lamb carries the nature of a King here's what we see then Can you have your splendor, your weight, your magnificence mingled with humility? Can we present that? Can you present that? Can you present a God who's on one hand transcendent, as in he lives beyond time, space, earth, and yet incarnational, as in he's also willing to now dwell amongst men? Can Can you be uncompromisingly just And can you yet be merciful? Can you be only good, and yet have patience with evil? And suffering. Churches choose one or the other. Can you understand that you have dominion as God gives you authority and yet you have learned how to submit to order. Can you understand God's majesty and also understand how he is meek? Can you understand that he, can you understand and display the wisdom to stump scholars and yet the simplicity to draw children? Do you have the power to still a storm and yet refuse to use it to get off the cross or change bread into stone? This is how it works, guys. It's not one or the other, it's both. Can you be like this? Do you know what will happen to your wife if you become like this? She'll fall in love with you again. Uh, Stones into bread, yeah. Please change the order. Can I be this? Pardon? Sometimes I want bread to be turned into stones. You know, you know, it's very odd. If people think I have this nasty relationship with Diana, I've had people come to me over the last 16, 17 years saying, she must be terribly hurt or she, uh, i wonder why she doesn't leave the church i've had these questions asked to me just so you know uh, i have no reason why she has not left the church huh? i have tried over 16 17 years <laughs> she just doesn't get the message what can i do yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by <laughs> oh. Oh. Stop, stop, stop. what stop, stop. you can't read <laughs> uh, what is that scripture in the bible Women should not ask questions. They should go home and ask their husbands. <laughs> what the world <laughs> Oh my God! I'm opening a can of worms. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, this is ter- the writing is terrible. Whoever wrote this? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Oh, stump, Sorry. Okay, let me read it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> let me read it. Can you, can you have glory as in the splendor of God through you? Or presenting the splendor of God. Can you, uh, can you present the splendor of God through you mingled with humility? It's a hard thing, eh? We, we, we find it easy to do one or the other. Can I... Can I boast about God and yet have the humility to at once acknowledge that he's the one doing it? Second, can you present God as, listen, he is holy, he's awesome, he's transcendent, he's creator. He lives beyond the universe which is expanding and he lives beyond that. And yet, He is here. He's with you. Right now here. Transcendent and incarnational uncompromisingly just as in he is a God who is holy he does not settle for sin he hates sin he cannot tolerate sin sin collides with him and is destroyed there's nothing unholy about him he's so pure he blazes brighter than the midday sun that is the purity that comes from his holiness and yet uncompromisingly just and he's merciful can you be like that so hard to be like that eh? next one He's only good. Oh my God, he's so patient with evil. Don't think of someone else when I say evil. Think of yourself. He's only good, but he's so patient with evil. So patient. What about me? So impatient. This is why you either end up being lion or the lamb. And for what he wants to do, ignite something amongst the teens and the 20s and the 30s. He's saying, church, can you become like this? Because they are coming, I want them to see the right God, because I've done this before, and they've seen the wrong God. And they leave after five services. Can you can you present him as someone who has given you dominion and authority, as in, on one hand he gives you authority gives you authority over nations gives you authority over demons gives you authority over sickness sicknesses get healed demons get chased out nations get chained on one hand he gives you dominion and authority on the other hand can you submit to order? or do you chaff at order? here's a simple truth like guys when it comes to authority the degree of authority you exert is directly proportional to the degree of authority you submit to The degree of authority you exert anywhere in this world in the name of Jesus Christ is directly proportional to the degree of authority you submit to. Directly proportional. We see that in the story of the centurion. Next one. Majesty. On one hand, can you present this God as he's king? Kiss the king lest he be angry. Psalm 2. Can you approach him as one would approach a king? And then can you also recognize that he is so meek? So meek. He actually says it I'm gentle, I'm meek. Next one. He had the wisdom to stump scholars. He had the wisdom to stump scholars. They came and tried arguing with him. Do we have the wisdom for that? We are so blooming Christians. We lose our sound bites. Huh? God. Hates sin but loves the sinner, it means nothing. Wisdom. Wisdom is when you ask God for how do I present this? Wisdom is not human. That's Sophia. Sorry. Wisdom is something else. Sophistry comes from Sophia. We've got to do one acrobatics with words. Wisdom is different. It comes from God. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's got sense in it. Wisdom to stump scholars, simplicity to draw kids. How, man? It's beautiful when people are able to do this. When Nick does a silly dance with the kids up here, like he did today, it was embarrassing, but it drew the kids. Power to still a storm and yet you refuse to use that power to get off the cross or to change stones into bread. This is what it looks like, man. I'm done. Guys, have the voice or the roar. Someone prophesied this on me on April 27th this year. Jacob, can you have the voice or the roar of a lion? And the embrace of a lamb. What a beautiful way to put it, eh? Can you have the voice or the roar of a lion? But could you have the embrace of a lamb? The last line I wanna share with you as to why this is important is because this church or the church will not open the destiny of nations, or individuals, if we aren't both lion and the lamb Because the scroll of their lives will remain sealed and God will have to find someone else. This church or the church will not be able to open the destiny of nations or of individuals if we aren't both lion and the lamb because the scroll of their lives will remain sealed and God will have to find someone else to do it. Do you have any questions on that? If there's a hypothesis that we can draw from the whole thing, it would be this or a conclusion. Do you realize that is important, that if you... And if, if Matt decides that he will not voice things, he will not carry the roar of a lion. If I decide that I will not sacrifice. That I'll be victorious but I will not sacrifice. I will not sacrifice my time, treasure, talent, strength, relationships, security, self. That's what I, may, I decide. So I decide I won't do that. I refuse to move from lion to lamb. He decides no. I'll be meek, but I will not voice, I will not roar, I will not begin to take the finished things of God, I will not do anything with them. Now multiply that by about 20 or 30, and you have an entire church that is now incapable of opening the scroll of nations, of lives, and God will have to go looking for someone else. Go ahead, Vivian. Yeah, if God decides to go and look for somebody else, will his original plan for your life forever be unfulfilled? This, the, the crazy thing about God is he will always give me first dips at what, is, what he planned for me. But he also knows whether I'll take it or not. So he already has a secondary plan. He knew that Moses was going to refuse uh, leading the people. So he already had Aaron in the background. But was, was Aaron his first choice? Absolutely not. Aaron was a standby that was brought in. So God goes to Moses and says, hey Moses, didn't I make the mouth? Why are you so scared about stammering? I'm sending you. Go. But Moses keeps saying, no, no, no. So what does God do? Okay. Get your brother, Aaron. And now Aaron becomes his spokesman. But Aaron was never supposed to be in the picture as Moses' spokesman. It wasn't part of the plan, but God, because he's a father and he can see into the future and know every decision I make, he already has a second plan that is as beautiful as possible. When your child does something and fails, you don't abandon him. I mean, my parents wanted to make me a doctor. That didn't work out, so they decided, okay, at least try for dentistry. That didn't work out, so they sent me for zoology. That didn't work out, so I went for political science. That didn't work out, so I went for journalism. That didn't work out, so I ended up a pastor. That's how this thing works. So, so if you chose any of these subjects, woe to you. No, no, no. blessed are you, because you end up pastor, pastoring. So, this is the this is this is the order of how it goes, eh? So, that is how God thinks too. That's how God thinks. So any, 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 uh, do you have anything to say on this before I ask Jane to come and finish with is he worthy? Anything to say on this? Do, do you think this is true? If Matt does not voice, and I do not sacrifice, and we multiply that by 20 or 30 across this church, do you think this church will be able to open the destiny of nations or of individuals? It's not possible, man. We take our cue from the Christ, who is both lion and the lamb. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And the destiny of nations and the earth? The lion. But I looked and what did I see? A lamb. Why is he worthy to take on the scroll? Because he took on the role of a lamb. What does a lamb do? Sacrifice. What is being asked of you? Dilna, your time, your talent, your treasure, your strength, your self and your security. And it's a forever thing for the rest of your life. And the moment you hold back on any of these things, you lose them anyways. Crazy man. This is a win-win thing or a lose-lose thing. Jane. sing this song with a new understanding if you need prayer um, there will be people here to pray with you and the lion and the lamb is here he's one, the Christ and like I said, if you want to know more about how this whole thing works it's brilliant, it's almost mathematical it's logical, it's mysterious come on Wednesday, Christ's life This is a beautiful song, eh? but sing it with fresh eyes after what we've heard. The, the reason we can sing this song afresh is when you see the words you realize that this is where the, the first verse talks about where the world is heading and then someone intervenes and he opens the scroll and it begins to change but someone has to open the scroll for this to end and none was found worthy till he steps up and he is worthy because he paid a price in blood and now it changes
1: Do you feel the word? all creation groaning. It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be within our midst? It is. Is it good that is all creation groaning it is is a new creation coming it is is the glory of the lord to be the light The Father, does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah forever? The the Father. Does the Father truly love us? He does. Does the Spirit move among us? the kingdom and preach to God
0: Showing this about Jesus. Our hearts are blessed. We know this not because we are Christians. We know this not because we read the Bible. We know this not because we read the book of Revelation. We know this not because some pastor taught us. We know this because you, the king of the universe, laid down your life like a lamb. Shed his blood to purchase people from every tribe and nation because you did that you were worthy to open the scroll and show us the life that lies ahead this week help us to go and bring others in bring others in bring others in. they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb by faithfully bearing witness to what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do and they did not love their lives to the point that they would not lay it down, that they would not face rejection. No, they did not. They did not love their lives. Help us to do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening. Hey, Mike, really good playing today, man. Yeah.